0: Hi, I'm Ariana Maddox. You probably know me from TV, or maybe you read my best-selling book and tried one of my amazing cocktails, or maybe you saw me on Broadway. What I can say is following dreams is kind of my thing, but of all the things I'm lucky enough to get to do, the thing that I get asked about the most are my shoes. What's my secret? DSW. DSW is the best place to get all the shoes you need from brands you love. Trust me. I'm obsessed. In fact, I love DSW so much, I've teamed up with them to create a collection of shoes from must-have sandals to super cool sneakers that are guaranteed to get compliments. Because if I've learned anything, it's that if you've got big dreams to follow, you're going to need some really great shoes. Find the shoes of your dreams when you shop my new collection now at your DSW store or dsw.com.
1: Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, Lavar Burton reads. Listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/Lavar. That's RosettaStone.com/L-E-V-A-R. Hi, I'm Lavar Burton, and this is Lavar Burton reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Have you ever made a completely mundane mistake that just keeps coming back to annoy you? Maybe it even haunts you? Maybe you accidentally dripped bleach on your favorite sweatshirt. Or maybe you had to throw out a whole package of green beans because you left them moldering at the bottom of the vegetable drawer. Yes, I have done that. Or maybe... Maybe you keep being reminded of that library book that you misplaced and never returned, meaning you can't go back to the library until you find it. Walk back in hanging your head in shame and pay your fine. Well, today's story is about that exact thing. And it deals with some of the hugely unexpected repercussions of not returning a library book. Now, that's really all I can say without spoiling it. The story is from the recent anthology from Tor.com entitled Africa Risen, A New Era of Speculative Fiction. And it's newly available in audio format from recorded books. The author is Toby Ogundiren, who is a writer of Yoroban Extraction. Toby has been nominated for the British Science Fiction Association, Shirley Jackson, the Ignite and NOMO Awards, and his stories have appeared everywhere from Lightspeed to fire. And when he's not crafting worlds, he's a medical doctor because, of course, Toby is. I had a great time Reading this one, y'all, it's got some stronger language than some of our typical fare, and so you might want to check out the content advisory if you are so inclined. And now, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. Ah. <sighs> The Lady of the Yellow Painted Library by Toby Ogundirin Things Fall Apart Dear Mr. Badmus, This is to inform you that the book, Things Fall Apart, which you borrowed from this library on the 4th of August, is one day overdue. Please return immediately. Failure to do so will result in dire consequences. Thank you, L. <clears throat> I'm uh, here to see the librarian. That'd be me, said the young woman behind the counter, flashing him a bright smile one day could scarcely hide his surprise. Really? Where is the other woman? I forgot her name. She is indisposed at the moment. She took a fall and fractured her hip. I'm sorry to hear that. He was more relieved than sorry. He had been worried at having to explain himself to the old, stern-faced librarian. But this woman She was young. And while he was not much to look at, his silver salesman tongue never failed to sway people over to his side. Are you her daughter, then? You definitely look like her. You'll be dealing with me now. How can I help you, Mr. Bodmus? One day, Bodmus. Ah, that Mr. Bodmus... He grinned sheepishly. Have you come to return the book? Actually, how to put this delicately, I don't uh, have it. A pause. I'm afraid I don't quite understand you. Uh, well, Wande day said, mopping at his brows. I seem to have uh, lost it. Her perfectly trimmed unibrow creased ever so slightly, but the smile remained firmly in place. The overall effect served to give her the grimace of one mildly constipated. "'That is quite unfortunate,' she said finally. "'Are you sure? Have you searched thoroughly through your lodgings?' "'Yes, yes, yes, I have,' said Wande.' And it's a damn thing. I always put it on the nightstand. Never even took it out of the room. It's like the thing developed legs and walked out of his own accord. (laughs) He laughed, licking his lips. The young librarian smiled even wider, and one day congratulated himself on a job well done. The truth was, he hadn't set eyes on the book since the first day he borrowed it and had even forgotten about it until he received the overdue notice yesterday. He had only taken the damn thing out of politeness to the old librarian who insisted he have it. What could he have done? He had, after all, come in here trying to sell her a brand new rotary phone, and the woman had bought two. One stood on the counter right now, blood-bred and polished to a mirror sheen. While that is certainly a possibility, she said, I encourage you to look again. Perhaps you missed it. (laughs) Actually, I've checked out of the room, said Wande, and I combed it to be sure, delayed one extra day while my partner went on ahead to Quara. But he gave an exaggerated sigh. (sighs) I just didn't find it. I see. Yes, One day, blundered on. I'm actually on my way to the train station. He pointed at his worn leather suitcase. I'm leaving for... Leaving? Her unibrow went up in a controlled expression of surprise. I'm afraid I cannot allow you to leave until you return the book. You cannot. <sighs> he took a deep breath, yanking down his tie. He was starting to get hot. We're traveling salesmen, my partner and I, and we operate on a tight schedule. I'm sure you can understand. If she understood, she gave no sign of it. The young librarian remained mute, hands folded neatly on the counter, professional smile taut on her face. They remained like that for a few moments, one day trying to read some emotion in her coal-black eyes. Finding none, he reached into his pocket and withdrew a thick manila envelope, which he slid across the counter. What is this? Compensation, he breathed. A fine, whatever you want to call it. This should be more than enough to cover the cost of a... She touched a manicured finger to the envelope and slid it back across to him as though it were something particularly revolting. I think there has been a small misunderstanding, she said. And I apologize if I did not communicate myself clearly. We do not take compensations. We do not take replacements, Not that you can find a replacement anyway, as that is the only copy on God's green earth. Wande blinked. What? Things fall apart? It's a popular book. It's everywhere. The woman merely smiled at him. What am I supposed to do? Wande spluttered, starting to get angry. I'm sure if you looked through your lodgings again, I already did. He cried, banging his fist on the countertop and rattling the rotary phone. The receiver clattered loudly to the counter. I delayed my trip and took the extra day to search thoroughly through my lodgings. It isn't there. Believe me, I want it to be, but it isn't. One day, left. He left the library with the fading yellow paint and infuriating librarian. He left the damned city with its reeking streets and rusty houses. That was what he should have done in the first place. But his mother had raised him right, and he had decided to own up to his mistake. He had even offered her money three times more than the price of the book because he had been feeling guilty and maybe particularly generous. They had made a great sale in Ibidan, after all. Can't allow me to leave, he muttered a few hours later, watching the countryside whip pass through the coach window. Well, I've left now, haven't I? In the three days it took Wande to reach Quara, he forgot all about the book and the librarian. He managed to talk himself into the business coach and even sold three rotary phones. All in all, it was a good trip, and Wande arrived in high spirits to Quara. A note was waiting for him in his motel room, placed neatly in the center of the bed, where he couldn't miss it. Dear Mr. Bodmus, I understand that you have, against my advice, and quite irresponsibly, in my opinion, left Ibadan and are now in Quara. I am very disappointed in you. Did you think I would not find out? Or did you think to slink away to some place I would never find you? Please return at once to Quara. "'preferably with the book. "'It is now four days overdue. "'While you will be duly punished, "'I am willing to temper the severity of your punishment "'should you return within a day with the book. "'Best wishes, L.'" One day crumpled the note in a meaty fist and stumbled into the bathroom where Donatus was taking a shit. "'What the fuck, man?' cried Donatus, trying and failing to cover his modesty. Who delivered this letter? Wande asked. What letter? This one. One Wande brandished the crumpled paper. It came from the librarian. Maybe you brought it with you. No, I didn't. It was right in the middle of the bed, and you've been living here. Now that I think of it, said Donatus thoughtfully, one hand still in the toilet bowl over his member. There was a raven. Yes, the the letter was strapped to its leg. I fed it some crumbs, the good bird. Afterwards, I gave it some water to drink. One day's eye was twitching. You think this is a joke? You don't see me laughing, do you? Now, will you let me wipe myself, or do you want to watch? talk, Mr. Badmus. Quara was a much tougher city to conquer, and Wande day found doors slammed in his face at almost every turn. It was infuriating, to say the least, and he wondered for the very first time in 25 years of selling rotary phones if he had lost his touch. Just a bad city is all said Donatus when Wande brought it up in conversation. Sometimes the stars all misalign and we run out of luck. Sometimes the people actually do know what they want, which isn't rotary phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, said Wande. You sold some phones. Eh, said Donatus, shrugging as if it meant nothing. Pure luck. You know this, old boy. He cocked his head, considering. Maybe your silver tongue needs a bit of polishing, huh? (laughs) And he roared with laughter, specks of spit flying from his mouth. Wande scowled at him, but Donatus had already put up his newspaper and did not see it. Wande was glad to leave, Quara. He waited with the tickets and their luggage in the departure lounge in the train station while Donatus went on to call their employer to give an update on their situation. He came back grinning. "'What?' Wande snarled. The bloody heat, the noise, the rank smell of humanity, not to mention a very poor performance in Quarra, had put him in a very bad temper. "'Looks like you'll have to go on without me, partner.' said Donatus. What? Why? Donatus shrugged. Didn't say. I didn't ask. He's the boss. So I'm meant to continue all by myself? Aw, don't be like that. Donatus grinned, flashing a golden tooth. I'm going to miss you too. Come here, let me give you a kiss. Fuck off, Donatus, said Wande, throwing him off. One day watched him saunter off, fighting the urge to scream. Twenty minutes later, blowing like a horse and cursing fluently, one day dragged his luggage down the train aisle to his compartment. He tossed the suitcase full of rotary phones to the floor and plopped down on his bed. His shirt was already sticking to his back, and he fumbled the buttons with one meaty hand, reaching with the other for the jug of cool water on the table. The train lurched into motion, and his questing hand smacked the jug over, spraying water all over the floor, the dusty window, and his bed. One day let loose a train of colorful expletives. Everything, everything was going to shit. That was when he saw the note folded neatly next to the upended jug. The entire table was soaking wet, but the yellow piece of paper lay in a dry circle, not a single drop of water on it. Wande could have sworn on his father's dead bones that the note hadn't been there just a second ago. Wande licked his lips and stared at the note a long time, he tried to tell himself that it was a complimentary note from the train staff, that it was a previous passenger's note, forgotten in the haste and chaos of disembarking. But one day was a practical man. He knew the note was meant for him. The writing was unmistakable, changed, but unmistakable. Where before the librarian's lettering had been the strokes of flawless cursive, now the letters were edged and heavy-handed, carved so deeply that they actually punched through the paper in places. One day could almost imagine the vicious look on the librarian's face as she wrote it. Dear Mr. Badmus, Where before I was willing to temper justice with mercy, your actions have showed that you do not deserve my mercy. Like the self-centered narcissist you are, you have pushed me and your debt to me out of your mind and have carried on with your life. Rest assured, you will be punished very severely. Tick-tock, Mr. Bodmus. L. First modicum of fear began to steal into one day's heart. Hi I-
0: I'm Ariana Maddox. Whether I'm on TV or Broadway, I live by two rules. Follow your dreams and always wear great shoes. That's why I love DSW. Must have shoes that pair well with whatever you've dreamed up for your life. Seriously, DSW has all the shoes you need for everything from errand days to date nights. And they're from top brands at prices you can totally brag to all your friends about. That's why I've partnered with DSW to create a collection of shoes I know you'll love. Because let's be real. Whether I'm dancing on TV, teaching you how to make the perfect cocktail in my best-selling book, or starting a whole new venture, it's all about the shoes. Find the shoes to do all the amazing things you do in my new collection at your DSW store or DSW.com.
2: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent being there day and night and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
1: Now, let's get back to our story. The august visitor One day mopped his face as he inspected the watery contents of his bowel movement. That was the third time he had hit the toilet in 12 hours. His stomach was in knots, and what was worse, he could not seem to hold down food. It always came up, either from his mouth or his ass. The half-eaten remains of his dinner lying scattered on the table in his compartment would most likely remain half-eaten. Something fell out of his pocket as he yanked up his trousers. The librarian's note crumpled to a ball. Barely had five minutes passed than one day put it out of his mind. It was what he always did when faced with an unsolvable problem. Did he really want to think about how the librarian knew where to send her notes? Did he really want to consider how this note came to be in his compartment? Did he really want to think about those threats both veiled and blatant? No. From his personal experience, problems had a way of solving themselves, or slinking away if he paid them no mind. One day crumpled the note once more, then chucked it into the toilet bowl, congratulating himself on a job well done. The librarian was waiting for him in his compartment. What? One day began, stunned. She sat on the other side of the table, dressed in the same fuchsia, pink, and black polka dot gown she had been wearing the first and last time he had seen her. Her hair, pulled back in a harsh bun, stretched her unibrow halfway across her forehead, giving her a perpetual startled look. It did not help that she was smiling. What? Are you, one day spluttered. How did you find you, she asked sweetly. Please, please. As if it was a dumb question and the answer was obvious. Have you been following me? No, she said. I tried to be civil. I wrote you letters, but of course you've ignored every one of them. Her black eyes bored into his In some cases, you even went as far as to show your contempt for me. Wande felt an anvil drop into the pit of his belly. She knew. Somehow she knew that he had flushed her note down with his shit. Look, he began. Do you mind if I eat? she asked. And without waiting for him, she reached beneath the table and produced a rusted brass food flask. Wande watched, stupefied, as she carefully laid a napkin across her lap and tucked a bright pink bib into her neckline. Then, she helped herself to Wande's cutleries, grimy from fish oil and watery potato soup. Finally, she uncorked her food flask. From this distance, Wande could not see what was in it, but a decidedly foul and rancid smell filled the stuffy air of his compartment. The librarian stabbed into the flask, twisted the fork. There was an awful squeal followed by the sound of bone breaking and liquid sloshing. Then popped a mottled piece of something into her mouth. Mmm, she said smacking her lips that's better, much better oh, I'm so famished but that's to be expected especially when I had to bring the library with me one day finally broke out of his stupor uh, bring the library? yes, the library dragged it over the hills and mountains and across the blasted savannah, I did and she pointed the fork at him, jabbing at the air with each word. All because of you. One day looked at her for one long moment, then slowly began to chuckle—an hysterical sound which gradually morphed into spasmic snorts of laughter. <laughs> you are mad. <laughs> He gasped, wiping at his teary eyes. Very mad, and I don't know how you got here, or how you even knew where to find me, but I'm calling the... He saw it then, through the grimy window of his compartment. The train had taken one of its customary stops, as they waited to switch onto another track, and Juan day had seized the opportunity to use the toilet. As he moved his bowels, he had had plenty of time to contemplate the barren savanna countryside and wonder at the scanty trees of the wilderness. What he hadn't seen, what he was sure hadn't been there, was the library. Now, though, the two-story library with the peeling yellow paint from Ibidon stood beyond the tracks, Beneath the milky disk of a full moon, it looked like an eerie, grotesque thing leaning with malicious intent towards the train. How? Wande began, but the words melted in his mouth in a bitter taste of fear. The strength bled from Wande's knees, and he collapsed into the chair. The librarian gave him a wide, wide smile. This problem, it seemed, was not going away. It was a problem of a different kind, one which sent cold hands clawing down his back. Wande turned to look at her, at her smiling black eyes, at her too wide mouth, chomping, chomping, chomping. What are you? That's unimportant now, she said. I'm here to talk about you and your debt to me. The the book, he gulped. I told you I can't find it. Too bad, she said, chomping mechanically on whatever it was she was eating. I really hope for your sake that you do. She belched, then dabbed dutifully at her lips. Excuse me. Wande looked down at the knife on the table and wondered how quickly he would have to move to stab it through her slender neck. The librarian's smile widened, almost as if she had read his thoughts. Wande did not doubt that she had. As you can see, I've brought the library for your convenience, she continued. Isn't that very kind of me? All you need do... If you find the book, is walk up to the library and return it. And receive your punishment, of course, for all the trouble you have caused me. It will be terrible, she leaned in over her food flask. But I assure you it will be nothing compared to what will happen to you if you don't return that book. Wande understood at last that he was in trouble. He began to sob. She smiled wider, her teeth a little too many, the points a little too sharp. Come now, Mr. Bodmus, are you crying? That is unbecoming. Strings of snot and spit ran down his chin. Please, he blubbered. Please, I, I don't, I, I will do anything. Please. You have exactly 24 hours. And then she was gone. One moment she was there, smiling at him, and the next the chair was empty, the brass flask the only sign that she had ever been there. One day, still sobbing, hoisted his ample form out of the chair and peered into the flask where he saw several scaly creatures floating in a thick Fetid soup of decay. Lizards. She had been eating lizards. A Montage of Very Desperate Acts One day never got to Abuja. The train broke down on the outskirts of Koji. And after waiting six hours with no help, he, along with two hundred disgruntled passengers, fought his way out of the train and traipsed the three kilometers to the next station, where he dialed Donatus through a payphone. He didn't get through. The operator kept telling him the number was incorrect and would he like to try again. But it wasn't incorrect. He had entered it three times, carefully admittedly with shaky fingers, but it wasn't incorrect. Next, he tried his employer, but it rang and rang and rang until the operator wisely suggested that the person he was trying to contact was unavailable. No oh, shit. One day carefully replaced the receiver, swallowing the lump in his throat. After a minute or two of gazing emptily into space, he stumbled out of the booth and dragged his luggage with him to the ticket counter. He was going home. A ticket for Lagos, please. Last one left an hour ago, said the girl at the counter. Next is 8 a.m. tomorrow. She jerked her dog-eared paperback in the direction of the yellowed departure schedule taped to the window. Wande groaned. "Uh, I'll wait then. Good for you, sir. Just not here. Why not? She snapped her book shut and fixed Wande with a passionless stare. We're about to close. Close? But Wande looked about him. The general departure lounge, which had been teeming with people half an hour ago, was nearly empty. I have nowhere to go. Her emotionless stare told him that it was not her problem.
0: i'm ariana maddox you probably know me from tv or maybe you read my best-selling book and tried one of my amazing cocktails or maybe you saw me on broadway what i can say is following dreams is kind of my thing but of all the things i'm lucky enough to get to do the thing that i get asked about the most are my shoes what's my secret dsw dsw is the best place to get all the shoes you need from brands you love Trust me, I'm obsessed. In fact, I love DSW so much, I've teamed up with them to create a collection of shoes from must-have sandals to super cool sneakers that are guaranteed to get compliments. Because if I've learned anything, it's that if you've got big dreams to follow, you're gonna need some really great shoes. Find the shoes of your dreams when you shop my new collection now at your DSW store or DSW.com.
2: At Amica Insurance,
1: And now, let's get back to our story. Madness at the Ranch Half an hour later, Wande found himself squashed in the back of a stinking farm truck, trundling down the dirt road to Ebon Cattle Ranch, After inquiring extensively, he'd learned that the nearest motel was 30 kilometers from the station and would cost him more than half of what he had left, leaving him with little money to purchase a ticket. Also, it was too far, and he did not want to miss the train in the morning. That was when Abdul, one of the young men whom he had been interrogating, told him he could stay the night on the ranch. No, he did not own the ranch, but was a simple worker. What was more, he made early morning rounds to town, dropping off fresh cow milk, and if Wande liked, he could drop him off at the station with plenty of time to catch his train. All he had to pay was 10,000 naira. 10,000 naira? Chicken change, said Abdul, sucking on his blunt. (laughs) <laughs> that is too much? Yes, it was. But it was better than paying 50000 at the motel. At least this way, he would have just enough to buy a ticket in the morning. <sighs> yes, fine. Thank you. Don't worry, my man. Abdul grinned, allowing one day a full view of his rotten dentition. I do this every time. I be... Good Samaritan. The sky was the deep blue of evening when they arrived at the ranch. As Abdul brought his truck to a sputtering halt in front of a two story building, Juan Day started, nearly shitting himself before realizing that this was not a certain other two story building he had become frighteningly acquainted with. This was a quaint, if somewhat lopsided, log house. ''Home, sweet home!'' barked Abdul. A few minutes later, alone in the room he'd been offered, Wande sank to the bed with the weight of his troubled thoughts. Now that he really thought about it, it was curious how Donatus had left abruptly, strange how the train had broken down, disturbing how he had been unable to get through to anyone.'' and outright alarming how he was now in a ranch house in the middle of nowhere, isolated and alone. The distressed lowing of cows sliced through the night's silence and sent cold hands clawing up one day's spine. She was here. The librarian had come for him. Slowly, with wobbly steps, Juan Wande moved over to the window, peered out, and saw the library. With its peeling yellow paint and twisted roofs, standing in the field as though it had stood there for a hundred years and will stand for another hundred. A sharp rap on the door sent one day spinning. He licked his dry lips and mopped the cold sweat from his brow. At this point, it was too much to wish it was only Abdul on the other side of the door. The next trio of knocks was not so gentle. The door rattled in its frame, splinters flying off the edges as if a particularly muscly man or an enraged beast was pounding on it. Then followed a series of incessant, Pounding. Then, the door groaned, splintered, the door jamb pumped up, down, up, down, faster and faster until the rusty aluminum squealed in protest. Faster and louder and harder came the bombardment of the door, the jam squealing, the door rattling until... Silence. One day found that he was breathing hard and there was a dark stain around his crotch. He stood there, petrified, staring at the battered door. Spidery cracks ran around the lintel and the old walls. A minute passed, then two, then three, and when Day started to hope that the librarian was gone, she spoke. Mr. Badness. Her voice was pleasant, conversational, I trust you know who this is. You have locked the door. Please, open it. No. No? She sounded surprised, even incredulous. Wande was surprised himself, but he would not open the door simply because she asked nicely. Come now. You want to act like a naughty boy? I gave you all the time in the world, Mr. Badmus. And you were duly forewarned what would happen if you failed to return the book to me. Open the door and take your punishment. But I don't have it! He screamed. It's not my fault! I didn't want to take the stupid book! All I wanted was... A shrill sound cut through the air and stopped Wande in the middle of his tirade. It took him a few moments to realize it was the sound of a phone ringing. He stumbled over to the nightstand, plucked the receiver with a shaky hand, and croaked, Hello. Hey, man. Donatus. The strength expired from Wande's legs, and he crumpled to his knees. He was so relieved at the sound of that voice that he did not stop to wonder at how Donatus knew to call this number, or the simple fact that the phone was not connected. Guess what I found, man. Book, Wh- "'What?' <laughs> "'I know!' laughed Donatus. "'The kids were rummaging through my stuff, see, "'cause the toys I got them were in my luggage, "'and the little rascals couldn't wait till morning. "'Anyway, they found the book among my stuff. <laughs> I-, "'I guess I must have accidentally packed it "'when I left, Ibidon, eh?' <laughs> One day saw Red as rage filled him, rage so consuming that it couldn't be translated into words.' He roared incomprehensible syllables into the receiver. Donatus tried several times to speak, his voice growing increasingly bewildered with each try. But there was no speaking over one day, and Donatus finally hung up. One day flung the phone with a roar and shattered it into pieces. That stupid fuck! How many times had he asked him to check his belongings? How many times? He wouldn't be in such a fix if not for him. It was all his fault. The librarian can have him. Let her punish him! He wheeled towards the door. Donatus has the book. He just called me. He told me he has it. Punish him instead. Nothing but silence from the other side of the door. Hello? With great trepidation, Wande unlocked the door and it swung noisily open to reveal an empty hallway. A draft stirred through, carrying with it the faint smell of something foul and rotten, not unlike the smell from the food flask on the train. Wande stepped out of the room and right into the library. It was as he remembered it Rows and rows of dusty shelves bearing equally dusty books. The gas lanterns that lit the vast interior were few and spaced so far apart that there were huge pockets of darkness where their lights did not reach. A gas lantern spilled warm light onto the librarian's desk, illuminating the blood-red rotary phone he had sold the old woman. The librarian was not at her desk hurried footsteps. Wande whipped around, eyes scanning the too-dark library. Click, clack, click, clack. The footsteps seemed to come from everywhere at once, echoing like the sound of a dozen pebbles hitting the bottom of a dry well. Hello? He did not like how tiny and tremulous his voice sounded. The book has been found. Donatus has it. You can... You can punish him instead. The footsteps had stopped as he spoke, and for a split second, utter silence filled the library. For a split second. Click, clack, click, clack, clack. Closer and closer came the footsteps, hurried, urgent. The footfalls of a predator closing in. One day decided he did not want to wait to see who or what was coming. He grabbed the lantern and fled for the door, only it was not there. What? He flailed about. Perhaps he had missed it. Perhaps the door was a little further down. The footfalls resumed, fast, a confusion of sounds like marbles skittering across tiles. One day bolted, He raced down the aisle, swinging the lantern before him, searching frantically for the door. Wall? Window? Wall? There was no door. He was weeping now, blubbering, screaming that Donatus had the book, that he was innocent. His legs, his lungs, everything burned, and he wished he could take a moment to catch his breath. He tripped and went sprawling to the cold floor. The lantern flew from his grip and shattered, winking out, plunging him into total darkness. Pain flared through his body, but one day struggled to his feet. His mind set on flight, intent on putting as much distance as he could between himself and those thousand hellish footfalls. That was when he saw it. Up ahead... Another lantern cast a pool of light, and there was something where light met shadow. It looked like a pile of dirty old sheets discarded between the two towering shelves. It wasn't until one day saw a face, squashed skin, unblinking eyes, blood-red lips, and unmistakable unibrow that he realized what he was looking at. It was the librarian, or rather, the librarian's skin. Juan day screamed and howled, gawking and yet unwilling to believe the hideous thing before him, It was as though her bones and meat had been scooped out, the empty skin crumpling to the floor without any visceral support. He could see a rip in her skin where something, several things, had clawed their way out of her. Click, clack, click, clack. They came out of the darkness one after the other. The light cast colorful patterns on their hideous, scaly forms. Lizards, they dripped black ichor onto the floor, shiny black claws clicking and clacking as they arranged themselves into neat rows. A moment passed in which one day's screaming died out, in which he stared at the creatures, in which he gasped one last pitiful word. Please. And then they came for him. the lord of the yellow-painted library. The librarian studied his reflection in the dusty mirror. He adjusted his tie and contemplated the paunch of his belly. When he was satisfied, he turned to his desk where a fresh piece of paper and a felt-tip pen were waiting for him. He lowered himself into the chair and adjusted the red rotary phone until it was perfectly aligned at the edge of the desk. After thinking for a moment or two, he picked up the pen and began in flowing cursive. Dear Mr. Donatus, As I look back on um on my life and my long relationship with libraries I I look at you know that my earliest memories in in Sacramento, California where I grew up and um the libraries at the various elementary schools I went to Holy Angels, St. Charles, um St. Anne's all of these elementary schools had libraries, and um, and they all had a you know a, a, a librarian who was generally a parent who was you know volunteering at the school. When I got to St. Pius, um, the seminary, we had a great library. The librarian was Brother Ed, um, and Brother Ed was also the typing teacher. And Brother Ed was very serious about you bringing the books back before they were due, if not on the due date itself. I, I, do, <laughs> I do remember um, one day sitting quietly by myself reading, and I don't know what was on my mind or what I was thinking, but... Brother Ed came by and he saw that I was reading and had bent the book back toward its binding. And on that day, I felt the full force of Brother Ed's disdain for the behavior that I was exhibiting. He lit into me like, nobody's business. And to this day, I never even think about bending the binding of a book past its recommended, you know, bend. It's just, it's been ingrained in me from that day till this, right? Books are to be treated respectfully, even reverentially. Thanks, Brother Ed. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the one and only Julia Smith. She is the best in the business, y'all. Our fabulous researcher is Lakeisha Lewis. Editing and sound design by the extraordinary Brendan Burns. And thank you to Tamika Weatherspoon for her invaluable research and production support. My thanks to Toby Ogandiran, Recorded Books, and Tor.com for allowing me to read this story. You can find it in Africa Risen, a new era of speculative fiction, which is available in hardcover, ebook, and also in audio format from Recorded Books. You can also find more of Toby at T-O-B-I-O-G-U-N-D-I-R-A-N.com. That's Toby com. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. Pick your favorite story and send it to them. You can hear episodes ad-free if you like and also listen to exclusive bonus author interviews on Stitcher Premium. Go to StitcherPremium.com slash LeVar to start your free trial. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martorana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. LavarBurton.com is my corner of the internet and you can join my book club at Fable.co slash LeVar. I'll see you all next time, but you don't have to take my word for it.
0: Stitcher.